0: Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. We continue today our march through the theology of the body, male and female, he created them, the 133 talks given by Pope John Paul II between 1979 and 1984. Innocence at the foundation of the exchange of the gift. We are continuing the examination of the beginning to which Jesus appealed in his dialogue with the Pharisees about the topic of marriage. This reflection requires us to go beyond the threshold of man's history and to reach the state of original innocence. To grasp the meaning of this innocence, we base ourselves in some way on the experience of historical man, on the witness of his heart, of his conscience. As we follow the line of the historical a posteriori, we attempt to reconstruct the distinctive character of the original innocence contained in the reciprocal experience of the body and of its spousal meaning as Genesis chapter two verses twenty three through twenty five attests. The situation described in this text reveals the beatifying meaning of the body, which in the sphere of the mystery of creation man attains, so to speak, in the complementarity of what is masculine and feminine in him. At the roots of this experience, however, must be the interior freedom of the gift, united above all to innocence. The human will is originally innocent, and thus furthers the reciprocity and the exchange of the gift of the body according to its masculinity and femininity as the gift of the person consequently the innocence attested in genesis chapter two verse twenty five can be defined as the innocence of the reciprocal experience of the body the sentence both were naked the man and his wife but they did not feel shame expresses precisely such innocence in the reciprocal experience of the body, an innocence that inspires the inner exchange of the gift of the person, which concretely realizes the spousal meaning of masculinity and femininity in their reciprocal relation. Thus, in order to understand the innocence of the mutual experience of the body, we must try to clarify what constitutes the inner innocence of the exchange of the gift of the person. This exchange constitutes, in fact, the true source of the experience of innocence. We can say that inner innocence, that is, the rightness of intention in the exchange of the gift, consists in a reciprocal acceptance of the other, in such a way that it corresponds to the very essence of the gift. In this way, the mutual gift creates the communion of persons. It is a question, therefore, of welcoming the other human being and of accepting him or her precisely, because in this mutual relationship about which Genesis chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 speaks, the man and the woman become a gift each one for the other, through the whole truth and evidence of their own body and its masculinity and femininity. It is a question, therefore, of such an acceptance or welcome in reciprocal nakedness that it expresses and sustains the meaning of the gift, and thus deepens its reciprocal dignity. This dignity corresponds deeply to the fact that the Creator has willed and continually wills man, male and female, for his own sake. See Gaudium et Spes, 24 at 3. Innocence of heart, and as a consequence, innocence of experience, signifies a moral participation in the eternal and permanent act of God's will. The contrary of such welcoming or acceptance of the other human being as a gift would be a loss of the gift itself, and thus a transmutation and even reduction of the other to an object for myself, object of concupiscence, of undue appropriation, etc. We will not deal in detail now with this manifold, presumable antithesis of the gift. One must, however, note already here in the context of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, that such extortion of the gift from the other human being, from the woman on the part of the man and vice versa, and his or her inner reduction to a mere object for me should mark exactly the beginning of shame. Shame corresponds, in fact, to a threat inflicted on the gift in its personal intimacy and bears witness to the inner downfall of innocence in reciprocal experience exchange of the gift interpretation of genesis chapter two verse twenty five according to genesis chapter two verse twenty five the man and the woman did not feel shame This allows us to reach the conclusion that the exchange of the gift in which their whole humanity, soul and body, femininity and masculinity, participates is realized by preserving the inner characteristic that is precisely innocence of self-donation and of the acceptance of the other as a gift. These two functions of the mutual exchange are deeply connected in the whole process of the gift of self. Giving and accepting the gift interpenetrate in such a way that the very act of giving becomes acceptance. And acceptance transforms itself into giving. Genesis chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 allows us to deduce that due to original innocence, the woman who in the mystery of creation is given by the creator to the man, is welcomed or accepted by him as a gift. The biblical text is completely clear and transparent at this point. At the same time, the acceptance of the woman by the man, and the very way of accepting her become, as it were, a first gift in such a way that the woman, in giving herself, from the very first moment in which in the mystery of creation she has been given by the creator to the man, at the same time discovers herself, thanks to the fact that she has been accepted and welcomed, and thanks to the way in which she has been received by the man, she therefore finds herself in her own gift of self, through a sincere gift of self. Gaudium et Spes, 24 at 3. When she has been accepted in the way in which the Creator willed her, namely, for her own sake, through her humanity and femininity, she comes to the innermost depth of her own person and to the full possession of herself. When, in this acceptance, the whole dignity of the gift is ensured through the offer of what she is in the whole truth of her humanity and in the whole reality of her body and her sex, of her femininity, We add that this finding of oneself in one's own gift becomes the source of a new gift of self that grows by the power of the inner disposition to the exchange of the gift, and in the measure in which it encounters the same and even deeper acceptance and welcome as the fruit of an ever more intense consciousness of the gift itself. It seems that the second creation account has assigned to the man from the beginning the function of the one who, above all, receives the gift. See Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. The woman has, from the beginning, been entrusted to his eyes, to his consciousness, to his sensibility, to his heart. He, by contrast, must in some way ensure the very process of the exchange of the gift, the reciprocal interpenetration of giving and receiving the gift, which precisely through its reciprocity creates an authentic communion of persons. While in the mystery of creation the woman is the one who is given to the man, he on his part, in receiving her as a gift, in the full truth of her person and femininity, enriches her by this very reception. And at the same time, he too is enriched in this reciprocal relationship. The man is enriched not only through her who gives her own person and femininity to him, but also by his gift of self. The man's act of self-donation in answer to that of the woman is for him himself an enrichment. In fact, it is here that the specific essence, as it were, of his masculinity is manifested, which, through the reality of the body and of its sex, reaches the innermost depth of self-possession thanks to which he is able both to give himself and to receive the gift of the other. The man, therefore, not only accepts the gift, but at the same time is welcomed as a gift by the woman in the self-revelation of the inner spiritual essence of his masculinity, together with the whole truth of his body and his sex. When he is accepted in this way, he is enriched by this acceptance and welcoming of the gift of his own masculinity. It follows that such an acceptance, in which the man finds himself through the sincere gift of self, becomes in him a source of a new and more profound enrichment of the woman with himself. The exchange is reciprocal, and the mutual effects of the sincere gift and of finding oneself reveal themselves and grow in that exchange. See, Gaudium 24 at 3. In this way, by following the trail of the historical a posteriori, and above all, by following the trail of human hearts, we can reproduce and, as it were, reconstruct that reciprocal exchange of the gift of the person, which is described in the ancient text of Genesis, so rich and profound. With these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concludes his 17th Catechesis on Male and Female, A Theology of the Body. The Wednesday audience is given over a period of many years in Rome. We're using the edition by Professor Michael Waldstein, to whom we're very indebted for a very fine translation. In this 17th Catechesis on Male and Female, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body, Pope John Paul II again draws our attention to the beginning. We don't know where we are if we don't know where we've come from, and we likely won't know where we're going if we don't remember the beginning, how we got here. In the beginning, the Lord Jesus reminds us of the beginning in the gospel. He reminds us of that first book of sacred scripture, the book of Genesis, where we hear about not only the fall, but even before, the good creation, how God has made us male and female in the divine image he has made us and he saw that it was good. The questions were raised by Jesus's interlocutors, those who addressed him and spoke with him. The topic of marriage. What does it mean to be husband and a wife? The topic is raised of original innocence. What was life like before the fall repeatedly? Pope John Paul II returns not only to the beginning, but to this original innocence, life before the fall. We know of it only by revelation. We live after the fall. We live in lost innocence, although a greater innocence given by God's grace in baptism and penance, innocence restored. That, in fact, is the prayer of the vigil of Easter, lost innocence restored from the exultant. Pope John Paul II draws our attention not only to the beginning or the topic of marriage or original innocence, but also to meaning. There are those who say, there is no meaning. Life has no meaning. We cannot understand anything. Although those who would say such want themselves to be understood. So there's a self-contradiction built into their denial of meaning. Three questions of meaning arise for Pope John Paul II in this 17th Catechesis on the Theology of the Body. Male and female, he created them. The experience of historical man, and that's ourselves. The witness of his heart, your heart and mine. What do we know from the inside? Not just from our senses, our eyes, our ears, our our touch, our smell, but what do we know from deep within? And similarly, not only the witness of our heart, but also the witness of our conscience. What good we know we should do, what evil we know we should avoid or repent if we have done such. Conscience, a judgment. This is good, I should do it. This is evil, I should avoid it, I should repent it if I've done it. These are three different things important in the thought of John Paul II. He wants us to recognize our experiences. Here we are living in a certain day, in a certain place. We live in history. His personal history, son of Poland. His personal history, suffering under Nazi terror. And then the communist regime, neither of which were sympathetic to lives of faith or to a deep understanding of the meaning of the human person. The Nazis happy to have you subject to the state as the communists, even if the communists were perhaps more officially materialistic atheists. This is part of John Paul's experience as a historical man, as a man in history. Bishop in Poland, Bishop in Rome, one who suffered many years of illness. You have experience in your life lived on this earth, and so do I. The witness of our hearts. This can be another reference to our desire, to our will, to will the good of another. This is the deepest sign of friendship, and for a husband and wife there should be no greater friendship, and a true friend wills the good for the other. And the greatest good is life on high with Christ, not just a temporal good in the here and now a roof over our head, food in our belly, clothes on our back. These are goods. These are desires of our heart. Who of us wants to be cold or hungry or alone? But it's not just our heart, our desires. It's also our intellect. The conscience is not just what we feel. It's primarily what we know, what we know to be good, true, and beautiful. That is What we're drawn to, the contrawise, is what repulses us. These things have meaning, and Pope John Paul II is anxious to get to the meaning of these things. And not only anxious for himself, but for his readers, and for you and I who hear him afresh today. Pope John Paul II mentions a historical a posteriori. Historicity, what has happened? A posteriori is a philosophical jargon, and it's a complement, or the opposite, of the a priori. An a priori position, something held beforehand. The a posteriori, that which has happened after the fact. And so you and I, we live after the fact of the fall. A fact we're aware of thanks to the gift of revelation Thanks to the book of Genesis, where we read not only about original innocence, not only about the good creation, but also about the fall, lost innocence. Pope John Paul II speaks to us of the spousal meaning of the body yet again. Not the first time he's mentioned it in these 17 lectures, and it won't be the last time he mentions it. This is something which was accessible to our first parents. They could recognize the Holy Father is saying, that they were made for each other, that they were made to give themselves one to the other, to receive each from the other. This is part of the spousal meaning of the body. True for them then, true for us now, even after the fall, even after the loss of original innocence. This is part of the topic of marriage. This is part of what concerns us because we care about the Lord Jesus who referred us back who refers us back to the beginning. What's better, he gives us the grace to be faithful to the plan of the Eternal Father. Not only does Pope John Paul II speak to us about the spousal meaning of the body, he also speaks to us about the beatifying meaning. So, blessed are we when we recognize the truth about ourselves, the truth about our bodies, the truth about holy marriage, the truth about original innocence, the truth about The fall. Beatifying meaning. Blessed are we when we appreciate the meaning of these things. Blessed too when we share them with others who have not yet come to appreciate them. One of the things Pope John Paul addresses likewise here is the mystery of creation. Creation, the heavens and the earth, all that is seen and unseen, not just quantifiable, not just knowable by our natural nature, our natural intelligence, but also mysterious. Imagine that blessed life in heaven. When we can ask God face to face, what was the big idea behind that long neck on the giraffe? What was the big idea behind those stripes on the zebra? The mystery of creation, volcanoes and plate tectonics floods, and hurricanes, part of the mystery of creation. If we think we know it all, we have deceived ourselves. Omniscience is an attribute of God and God alone. Pope John Paul II reminds us of the complementarity of the masculine and the feminine in the mystery of creation. God did not just create birds of the air and fish of the sea and beasts of the land, but he created us. the divine image, male and female, he has created us. Freely God made us, no one forced him to do so, and because God has freely made us, and we are made in the image of God, we too are free to give ourselves, even as the good God has given us being. Key in the thought of Pope John Paul II here in this 17th Patechesis on male and female, he created them a theology of the body, is the term reciprocity. It's not just the husband giving himself to the wife, or not just the wife giving herself to her husband, but the both giving to each other. Mutuality, reciprocity. This is something which is so often lost in our day and age, when so often we're narcissistic. We turn to ourselves alone. What's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? selfishness foreign to the beginning, to the original innocence. Rather, the gift of the person, the eternal persons of the Holy Trinity, giving being to us, our first parents giving themselves to each other even before the fall. It's just that we now live after the fall, And we're very conscious of that because we know our sins, we know our limitation. But we too know of the grace of God revealed in the fullest way in Christ Jesus who suffered and died, who rose from the dead, who's given us a share, an outpouring of his power through grace, faith, baptism, through life in communion with the Holy Trinity through Mother Church this too, yet another gift. The original innocence of which Pope John Paul II has spoken of is an innocence of the reciprocal experience of the body. Adam experiences Eve. He sees her with his eyes, and he sees her with his heart, and she him, in innocence, even before the fall. Not just an exterior exchange of the gift of the person, but an interior gift, no less. Heart to heart, soul to soul. We're not just our body. We're not just our soul. We are that great, mysterious composite. Reciprocity in relation. Again, not just the husband, not just the wife. Both together, and God as well. Pope John Paul is keen that we understand the innocence of the mutual experience of the body, naked without shame, before the fall. It's the fall which introduces shame. It's the fall which ruins, in a real way, that mutual experience of the body for both the man and the woman. Pope John Paul II is pointing out to our attention in this 17th Catechesis on Male and Female, the Theology of the Body, about the inner innocence. Not that he would discount or, or downplay exterior innocence. No, we have to be pure, not only of heart, but of body as well. But inner innocence is so important. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. The pure of heart, a pure desire, my right intention, that I reciprocally accept the exchange of the gift of the other, and she accepts my innermost right intention. This is a communion of persons straight from God, leading back to God. It's a mutual gift, on the husband's part to his wife, and on her part to him, both having received from the good God, in whose image we are all made. This is part of the whole truth and evidence of our own bodies, I have received my being as a gift. Nothing I did brought me into existence. The reciprocal nakedness, which was in the beginning, naked without shame, is because of acceptance and because of the welcome given. This receiving, welcoming, accepting expresses, sustains, and deepens the reciprocal dignity each of the other. Imagine when it's your birthday and you don't receive a gift. Sometimes you're put off. Christmas, you don't receive a gift and you're put off. How about if it's neither Christmas nor your birthday and you receive a gift? Elation, huh? You know your love. The husband, please God, loves his bride and never ceases to give to her. And he likewise, not merely corporally, and to make love is part of a corporeal exchange of gift, no question, but heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, will-to-will. This expresses that gift of self, a reciprocal spiritual nakedness accepted and welcomed. This is what sustains the relationship between husband and wife. Without it, it falters, and we see if we have a divorce rate of more than half, more than 50%, God forbid. Perhaps it's because of a lack of generosity, both in giving and in receiving. What is the meaning of the gift? The gift accepted, the gift welcomed, deepens the reciprocal dignity. Each of the other, this husband, this wife, this man, this woman, this is what the Creator has willed and does will and will will, the mutual gift of self, since we're made to the God's image, and God is all gift. God who did not have to create us, God who did not have to redeem us, but who has in his great love, in his generosity. And we mirror that image all the more when we're generous in our turn. Man, the human race, male and female, made for his own sake. This passage of Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body is citing the Second Vatican Council's pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, Gaudium et Spes, while The Pope is famous for frequently citing the 22nd article of that pastoral constitution. Here, when he's focusing on man, male and female, being created for his own sake, it's actually article 24 at three. It's good to remember both, not just the one passage or not just the other. The earlier passage reminds us that Christ reveals not only God to us, but us to ourselves. When a husband and wife are true to their vocation, their call to holiness, they reveal the God who is love in their love for each other in their gift of self to each other, accepting willingly that greatest gift God gives in holy marriage, the child. Pope John Paul II speaks to us in this 17th Catechesis about innocence of heart leading to innocence of experience. With innocence of experience, we morally participate in the eternal and permanent act of God's will, God who wills us to be generous, God who wills this self-gift, God who gives himself to us. But the contrary is no less true. When we spurn the eternal will of the Creator, the will to be generous, the will to be self-giving, the will to accept and to receive the gift of the other, then we lose the gift. We reduce the other to an object of concupiscence for myself, it's an undue appropriation. Give it to me, give it to me now. Imagine a naughty child at Christmas or a birthday or what have you. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory comes to mind. I want an Oompa Loompa now. And we know what happened with that little girl. She was sent out of the candy factory that day. But there's more at stake in this 17th Catechesis than a golden wrapper or a hit. At the box office. Holy marriage as one of God's greatest gifts. Our human sexuality as one of God's greatest gifts is the ticket to heaven for the majority of the people on the face of the earth. Building upon grace first given in baptism, this sacrament of service, which is holy marriage, which Pope John Paul II was focusing on for these 133 talks, whether we live it right as husband and wife or not, means heaven or not. This is the meaning of our salvation. This is the meaning of the theology of the body. We pray in a special way for all those preparing for holy marriage, for all of those struggling in holy marriage, for all of those who are living that blessed, nuptial union, that God might be praised through it all. Until next time, God bless you.